are recording! Hello listeners, wherever you are, and welcome to Fix This Flick, a podcast where two millennials with useless university degrees deconstruct your favorite films and tell you how we'd make them better. I'm your host, Ali, and after an inexcusably long absence, I'm rejoined by my favorite guest, Shannon. Well, I'm happy to be here. I really enjoyed our discussion on the last episode we did together, Whiplash, and I really wanted to do another podcast with you and... So far, I've done horror, sci-fi, comedy, even a superhero movie, and we both thought it might be an interesting idea, considering that we're a couple, to do a chick flick. That's right. It was my idea to suggest a romantic movie night, and the only way I could get Ali to agree is if I agreed to do a podcast about it. So here we are. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And I really like the idea, especially if we ended up disagreeing about the movie. Uh, You were a big fan of the last movie we did together, Whiplash. True. Which is a movie I loathe. Although you did agree with a few of my fixes. I did. And we're on the same page about this movie. So uh, a spoiler alert. I'm sorry to disappoint any of you who is hoping to see some big time couple drama. We do agree in this episode. So if uh, if you're looking for some soap opera drama, you'll have to do with this limp love triangle and predictable will they won't they storyline offered in the movie of the hour. And I'm talking about the chick flick to end all chick flicks. The Notebook. One, two, three! Landon Carter was heading nowhere fast. What, are you going to expel me? It's time for you to start spending time with other kinds of people. Don't blow it, Landon. Jamie Sullivan. Wore that dress in the fourth grade. Nice sweater. Thank you. Knew exactly who she was. (laughs) So what's your deal? You don't care what people think about you? No. Now, two people who had nothing in common. I need help with my work. Landon Carter's asking me for help? Please. Okay. Have everything to learn from each other. Landon Carter is coming here. Dad, I'm not a child. Well, it's him I don't trust, not you. Landon, where have you been? Nowhere, man. What's with you, man? It's like you don't even have time for your real friends anymore. Hey, Carter. So I'll see you after school. I'm in your dreams. This girl's changed you and you don't even know it, man. Come on, Jamie. Open the door, please. Listen, Jamie, I was hoping we could... We could be secret friends. Exactly. It's like you're reading my mind. Great. Um, maybe you could read mine. Dare you... Jamie, I miss spending time with you. Prove it. This is about me, okay? It's not you. We are through. Maybe you're just too scared that someone might actually want to be with you. And why would that scare me? Because you want to be with me, too. You know, I, I was getting along with everything fine, and then you happened. I'm not going anywhere. Please tell Jamie that she makes me want to be different, better. I might kiss you. I might be bad at it. It's not possible. The Notebook follows an elderly man fixated on telling an old woman with dementia in his nursing home the story of Noah, played by Ryan Gosling, and Allie, played by Rachel McAdams. 
a young couple who fall in love in 1940s South Carolina. After the couple's differences in social class and the breakout of World War II causes them to separate, Allie falls in love and gets engaged to someone else. But are things really over between Noah and Allie? And why exactly is that old man obsessed with telling the woman this story? Hmm, I wonder. 2004's The Notebook, adapted from the Nicholas Sparks novel, is the third and by far the most famous of the 11 Sparks novels to be turned into movies. The movie was a sleeper hit with young audiences, catapulting Rachel McAdams, who had also just starred in Mean Girls, and the relatively unknown at the time Ryan Gosling. Except from Breaker High. I still repeat what I said, relatively unknown Ryan Gosling. <laughs> into stardom and winning 18 Choice Awards, including the highly coveted Choice Movie Lip Lock Award. And it's fair to say that it's right up there as one of the most revered romance movies of all time. Shannon, are you a fan of the Nicholas Sparks brand of romance movies? I'm going to say probably not since this is my first time doing it at the age of 32 and I completely missed the Teenage Lip Lock Award, which sounds very titillating indeed. So you never saw Message in a Bottle or maybe, maybe like A Walk <gasps> to Remember? Is that the Mandy Moore one? That's the Mandy Moore uh, one, Ah, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Yeah, if, that it's, was if it's not so the lame, notebook, then... My goodness. Continue. Yeah. <laughs> I what figured you had to see at least that one, yeah. <laughs> um, I think the most recent one is a Zac Efron one called The Choice. He, he just pumps out these every couple of years. It's kind of hard to tell them apart. I don't even know if it was Zac Efron in that one, to be honest. He was in one of them. And I remember one day seeing a post online that was commenting on how all the movies posters look exactly the same you know a man holding or kissing a woman and they're in a field and there's like the same colors like yellow everywhere and when i was just looking up other movies that were sparks adaptations you actually pointed that out I they did. all look the same i didn't know they were all going for the lip lock award this is just profound news to me uh, beyond the oscars uh, it's all about the lip lock <laughs> award and yeah the movies they tend to have the same formula i've only seen three or four of them but you kind of get oh, the gist okay sure yeah. ali so it's a romance that is forbidden or broken apart for some reason the man usually goes off to war There'll be a love triangle as the man or woman finds someone else. But you know that they're going to make up at the end with a kiss. In the rain, no less. All very cookie cutter. Yeah. And that was what was so surprising about The Notebook. We'd both never seen it before watching it for this podcast. And for a movie with its reputation and pop culture status, it turned out to be very bland. And so what we're going to try and do is we'll unpack the movie to figure out why it was so popular. And what exactly we didn't like about it. We'll discuss what worked for us and think of a few things that might improve it. And then we'll pass our final judgment on whether the movie's fixable, fine just as it is, or damaged beyond repair. And to save you for not going through what I went through when Ali spoiled this movie for me, spoiler alert from here on out. Alright, so the year is 2004. A young Shannon is just entering high school, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, not yet scorned by loves, both unrequited and requited, and word on the street is about this romantic movie called The Notebook. Girls are digging this movie. I just didn't watch a lot of movies when I was a teenager, but somehow the fact that The Notebook is an incredibly beautiful romantic movie seeped into my mind to such an extent that here we are, 2021, and I bring it up as a fun date movie for me and Ali. So it's actually really easy and quick to explain what the plot of The Notebook is. 
it's just one another one of those you know one person is poor one person is rich it's usually the woman that's rich isn't it and there's a poor guy who really wants her and so that's basically what yes, happens and i have a theory as to why that is but oh, yeah? continue i'll get to it later. okay so yeah they they meet in the carnival and uh, ryan gosling's character noah does a very romantic thing where well ali's with someone else at this carnival and he just climbs onto the ferris wheel that she's going on with her date and threatens to drop himself off of the ferris wheel unless she goes out on a date with him what a perfect way to start a relationship it's so romantic tell me more yeah and what of crazy course, things does he do next she's enchanted by this display of macho bravado i don't know what it is exactly and they inevitably start going out and dating and they fall in love pretty quickly it's a summer fling but then problems start to rear their ugly head because those social differences parents of ali don't approve and she's going off to college so they end up splitting up and through a devious act by Allie's mother, she withholds all those letters that Noah sent Allie. Noah sent Allie one letter for every day of the year. That's 365 letters that were never received by Allie. And she was heartbroken about this and yet didn't think to send him a letter of her own. But that's okay because he never stopped loving her. It's so romantic. It's, it's one of those things where I always wonder... What came first? What what perpetuated the stereotypes first? Because I feel like there really is a thing where there's an expectation for the man to make the first move, whether it's a fight or asking someone out. And I wonder, are movies like this a reflection of what reality is? Or do they just project what is supposed to be the case onto reality? Well, I'm going to tell you, it's a whole lot of problematic fairy tale bullcrap that's actually very difficult in this year, 2021, where if a guy were to send you a letter for every day and you never responded, you'd probably want to file a restraining order against this guy. But in the context of this movie, maybe because it's 1940s or whatever, but it's so romantic. He never stopped loving her. He never gave up. And this is the secret to these romantic movies. It's completely crazy, but chicks dig, even though it makes no sense. Chicks dig so much that they don't have to try and make it an interesting movie. We were actually debating doing another movie, I think about half an hour in, because we were both really bored and could see exactly where this was all going. And uh, I'm kind of glad we persevered because <laughs> there were some interesting, I would say, major problems in this movie. Yeah, I think all in all, just because a movie's a love story and you want to have this crazy codependent love with flawed characters, that's fine. But they can also be interesting characters with plots that are actually interesting and interesting choices they have to make instead of just like these silly external things like oh my mom took the letters and it's our entire separation was based on a miscommunication and i would actually say that the best parts of this movie are actually in the beginning what i think might elevate this movie over other kind of chick flick romance movies is it really just takes time to pause and just show their relationship developing in the beginning there's this very long scene where you're just walking and talking and Ryan Gosling is being charming or creepy, depending on your interpretation. <laughs> I remember there was one point where he said that he'd be anything she, she wants him to be, which to your codependency point sounds like a red flag to me. But, you know, this is a movie and I did like it. Like, I think it established what they might see in each other. And we figure out what her problem is, that she's always concerned about what the right thing to do is and is very straight laced. And it's really after that point that the movie 
starts getting derailed for me. Yes, I suppose it was nice seeing the two people fall in love. You know, it's a romance movie and it definitely checked that box. And the problems do start when they're separated. That's when the narrative starts feeling forced. You know, there's so many t reasons why two young lovers who come from different backgrounds and have different lives ahead of them might be separate and there might be real feelings that they'd have about that like are we really meant to have a relationship in the future i'm gonna move away to new york will i still like this boy that i met from my hometown those are i think beautiful things to explore but instead it was just her parents coming in and say no you're gonna move and go to school in new york and i'm gonna steal all the letters so he's completely cut out of your life I think they could have done more with that. So my first fix that I suggest for the movie is have the central drama not just being some misunderstanding by villainous parents, but something meaningful that the two characters are actually going through in terms of finding out who they are and what their values are, whether they share those things, whether they share their view for the future. You know, things that are actually a little bit more complicated than cookie-cutter romantic stuff. The main things we learn about them besides the fact that they love each other is he wants to restore this old abandoned house. But he only wants to do it so that she can live there. So yeah. I don't know if that even counts. It, it counts. It's like a thing <laughs> it's a thing that he's always aspired to do. And she likes to paint. And that's pretty much all but we know about that. But she only their... is inspired to paint by him and being in love, because she stops painting for a long time when she's with the other dude. So I don't know if that counts either. But, you know, I see your points. <laughs> and uh, well well, to your point as well, I think we could have seen just way more. A classic problem that romance movies do is they fixate too much on the romance. I think for me, some of the best romance movies are the ones where the romance is a very important part of the plot, but it's not the only thing that's going on. And as I was watching this movie, I was thinking of Atonement, which actually has a very similar plot it's set in the same time period. Atonement stars uh, Saoirse Ronan and Keira Knightley, and they're both really great in it. And I feel like you learn so much more about what they're doing and what they're about. And there's a very interesting dilemma in it. So, but that takes us to one fix is, can these characters be a little bit more than just a love that they have for each other? You know, maybe they're real people that we can get behind. And connected to that, beyond the two main characters, the other characters, you know, the important people in their lives don't really feel like fleshed out people. The best examples I can think of are the two most important people besides Allie in Noah's life, his best friend. I can't even remember that character's name. He's just a guy who hangs out with him and has his own girlfriend. And then they you both... You love this guy, this poor devil. I he feel like... so bad for him. I feel bad for the actor. Uh, I'm not a big fan of the actor. He's Kevin Connolly from Entourage. But he's just in there to just be like a set decoration and then they both go off to war together and and when the war scene happened ali was so excited he was like yes finally some action five seconds later it's over yeah the best friend dies in an explosion and then that's that's all for the war experience of and ryan gosling's character doesn't even have a line you think maybe he's going to because he kind of he's like lying there dead on the ground not dead yet actually he's on the ground and he's has kind of a look on his face like he has and, something to say and ryan gosling looks at him and then you next thing you know he's dead and the scene's over moving yeah. on 
And an important thing in him in his life is his relationship with his father. And it kind of just glosses over his father's death, like the narration of the old man telling the lady the stories. And his father died and he inherited this money and blah, 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 blah. Nothing else matters because they love each other so much. No other people even matter. And this is the thing that bright-eyed, bushy-tailed teenage girls love. Oh my God, they love each other so much. His dad died. It didn't even miss friends. No one cares. All that we need is our love. It's a friggin' fairy tale and then they end up living happily ever after so they know that it works in that context the filmmakers know that it works like that and that people are gonna love the movie so they get to kind of cheap out on these extra side characters and not put in the work two other side characters that i would fix are the romantic partners of both noah and ali as they grow up so the separation occurs ali goes to new york noah goes to war and then he stays back in their hometown and they both end up having romantic relationships with other people and these relationships are also kind of not that fleshed out and not that important because you know already that they're gonna end up together so they don't really develop those characters ali goes to school and while she's working as a nurse or something She's volunteering as a nurse. She meets this other war veteran and he sweeps her off her feet. And you actually thought he was more good looking than Ryan Gosling, didn't you? I stand by that. They fall in love and he proposes to her and... And he's of the same social class. Yeah, her parents which is a love big him. difference. Yeah. I gotta say their scene of marriage proposal, I thought that was a very cute scene. The thing that I thought was kind of bad about that whole thing was they really rushed their whole romance in the span of... Was it five minutes, four minutes? Exactly, I don't even know. Because we're not supposed to care about him. But maybe the movie would be more interesting, more realistic, and more of a will they, won't they, if he was a real dude who you'd actually rooted for. And we actually saw that, oh, this other guy actually brings out a lot of Rachel McAdams' character that the other dude doesn't, you know? But instead, they cheap out and they say, oh no, you know, Rachel McAdams doesn't paint when she's with the other guy. He's just, he's not seeing her for who she truly is. She's not expressing herself when she's with him. So it was all about Ryan gosling all along when she's debating to be with ryan gosling or this new guy when she says i feel like a, i'm a different person with him and then someone else with you they could have really explored that more except it's just that one line you know that's actually an interesting thing about relationships is that they do bring out different sides of us and i think a really nuanced and intelligent movie can explore that as well and let's not even get started on Ryan Gosling's little love affair. Oh, yeah. So while he's at home, you know, he works on his house, whatever, back in his hometown. He's with a woman. Poor girl. And he's clearly not into her the whole time. And he basically tells her so. But she just kind of is still there, you know, just so he has somebody, I guess, for the narrative of the movie. You say the whole time. She's, I think she's literally only in the movie for three scenes. In my mind, I'm just imagining her just being used for like a few months before she's like, this guy's not into me she's a war widow that could have been very interesting to explore as well no but in the conventions of the romantic genre ryan gosling isn't allowed to have a real connection with another woman he has to never stop loving rachel mcadams that's how it works that's what's going to make people love this movie he never stopped loving her if they did this creative thing of saying oh they actually did find other people that they loved i'm thinking of la la land another Ryan Gosling movie. But if they actually went there, they'd have to work a lot harder at making a movie so that it was still likable and that everyone was behind the characters instead of just this simple, yeah, he was with her for a while, but it was really didn't really mean anything. He always loved Rachel McAdams. More effort should have been put into the entire cast of characters as well as the main characters and what they were beyond their just 
you know, main relationship. And I would also add to that, I just thought of this now, is maybe immerse the movie more into the realities of their world at the time. Because this movie set in World War II, for the most part, does that really matter? <laughs> does it impact the plot whatsoever? No, it didn't really feel like a realistic war movie. Like, the cause of them being separated is her mother hiding the letters. When in reality, I'm sure many people were legitimately separated by World War II and people having to move around and men having to go to war. Even that in itself seems like a more interesting plot. And I think I've actually read many stories like in stories and literature where that was the problem, was the war. And as an added fix to that main point, I think it would have been interesting to see how the war impacted Ryan Gosling. Did he get PTSD? How did he, you know, react to his best friend dying? And Yeah, terrible really... things happen to him. His dad dies, his best friend dies, he comes back from war. But all we know about him is that he's heartbroken about Rachel McAdams, you know? It's cheaply made. Yeah. He could have had so many other interesting things about him. He finally gets around to renovating that house that he always wanted to renovate. And it's beautiful. And he has that relationship, unfulfilling relationship for both sides because he's always in love with this woman. Allie is engaged and she's trying on her wedding dress for the first time. And lo and behold, while she's in the wedding dress... Her mother gives her the newspaper to show her something or whatever. It doesn't matter because she sees a picture of Ryan Gosling in the newspaper. And that's the moment she finally remembers him. She had Apparently. to see him in a newspaper. This is the same thing about the letters. It's just this cheap external thing. And oh, here's Ryan in a newspaper. So you're going to think about him now. Maybe she was thinking about him all along. Maybe she actually has emotions that we can explore around this. You know, maybe she's unsettled about her new relationship and moving forward and she has to tie up some loose ends. But no, she only thinks about Ryan Gosling because of a newspaper article. I think it should have been more connected to the plot or the actions that she was doing. If you remember a little bit before that, Ryan Gosling is just taking the bus and he happens to see her on the sidewalk and he jumps out of the bus and that's when he sees her with her fiancé for the first time. In, in both those instances, couldn't they have done something a bit more creative or interesting to just reconnect them? Exactly. I don't know what, what it would be right now, but I feel like it should have been something that was connected to what they were doing in life outside of the relationship. Yeah, I think if I was making a film, I, I imagine I would think about all these things and try to make it cool instead of just being like, ah, just slap it together. It's okay. They love each other. After she sees this picture of him, she makes up some excuse to, to go to the town where he lives to her fiance, and that's when they rekindle their love affair. They spend a torrid few days together, and the fiance finds out. They share a, a romantic, award-winning lip lock in the rain as well. And so she's faced with a dilemma now. It's the classic love triangle. Does she go with the handsome dashing fiance who's of her social class or does she go with the man her first love the man who she thought had broken her heart but it turned out that her mother got in the way wow and wouldn't this be a riveting choice to make if we didn't already know that they grow old together because that's how the movie starts yeah they're can two we explain old that? people yeah <laughs> okay. okay can you explain the I, I guess it's the framing of the movie is so as we described, the movie starts with an old man telling a story to an old woman. And very early on, it's not even a cliffhanger. 
I thought Ali had spoiled it for me, but basically it's pretty clear early on that Rachel McAdams' character has dementia. She has serious memory loss. Yeah, when she's elderly. And Ryan Gosling's character is trying to remind her who he is by telling her the story of their romance. So that's the narration that's going across the whole movie. So it really kind of spoils the will they won't they because we see them having grown old together. We see that they have a family together at certain points. It's about halfway through their kids visit the elderly parents in the nursing home and they say, oh, mom's never going to remember. So it's very clear that they got old together. But Ali tried to pull one over on me when we were watching it and he said, oh yeah, the twist is that it's actually the new fiance who's the man in the nursing home who grows old with her. And I was like, what? Are you serious? That would blow my mind. So I'm actually electing that as a fix, that there should be a huge twist and she doesn't end up with Ryan Gosling at all. And the twist is that the elderly man is actually the new fiance. I would have enjoyed it. Well, what we what could have made that work is if we added a few more scenes with the fiance where he's more of a equal part of the movie where you literally don't know who is this old man could be either one of them that that would be actually very interesting yeah that would be cool i would dig that movie yeah well the movie didn't do that so i guess my question for you shannon just from your own perspective because i really don't know the answer what is the main thing that is supposed to be the hook he never movie. stops loving her. Okay, so it's not he really the will they won't loving they. Her. No, it's that the romance is so great. It's that thing that, you know, girls as they grow up say, oh, I want a notebook romance. One where I can basically just leave the guy and abuse the guy and send the guy away and he'll just keep coming back to me. Even though in reality, that would be very scary for anyone who's gone through that. But these are the illusions that are present in romance movies and fairy tales. That's the hook of the movie. It's cheap. But don't you think it could have done a better job of conveying that if the will they won't they felt more real where it leaves you as a viewer in doubt for a moment? Yeah, a little bit of doubt for a moment would have been nice for sure. That's ultimately what my problem with the movie is, is that it gives you this fantasy that you describe so well, but it's done in this very safe way. It's like it's like feeling something is endangered without it ever being endangered. So I, I compare it to being in one of those haunted houses. You're in danger. I'm doing air quotes. But come on, like you, you know that you're not actually going to die or anything, but you get to feel like that little bit of thrill. And I think it's it's a movie, of course, but I think they could have pushed it way more than they actually did. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Now, but you really love the storyline of the two old people at the end. And you think that that was actually one of the more heart-wrenching parts of the movie. I really did. I think the thing that to, to answer the question that we asked in the very beginning of why is this movie so popular, it does have a lot of the cliches of the chick flicks. We didn't really talk about them. One example that comes to mind for me is there's a scene towards the end, if you remember, when she's driving away from Ryan Gosling and she doesn't know what to do, who to pick. And she's so distracted by her dilemma that she almost drives into an oncoming truck (laughs) and, and the music becomes dramatic for an instant and she drives off. And there's a lot of those little moments in this movie. So it has all that shit. But I think what elevates it is this tragic angle with with them as, as older people. Because I think dementia, like just seeing the person you love just still be alive, but not even recognize you is so tragic and heartbreaking. And it's something that a lot of people experience. It's It's one of the hardest things that we have to go through, I think. 
It's true, I actually work with seniors, and although I would say there are things about their depiction of the dementia that's kind of weird, but all in all, like, it is a real thing, family members not recognizing other family members, and that actually could be a movie unto itself, I mean, I'm sure it is. Here's the thing, I think I don't like sappy movies, and it's not because I'm not a romantic, I actually am, I love that stuff, but I don't like being told how to feel. I don't like being told how to feel by music, movies, books, so when a movie's too sappy, it kind of puts me off, you know? I like more complicated situations where I kind of feel ambivalent and I get to figure things out along with the characters. And that's really what this movie was lacking for me. Just before we end the conversation, so what ends up happening is she remembers for a moment, for a brief couple of minutes, who he is, and they just share a few moments together. And it's revealed that the notebook that Ryan Gosling's older character was reading to his wife was actually written by her um, in an effort to always remember it. So that's kind of a nice little, a nice little twist there. I agree. And then they die in each other's arms when they're both old. Yeah. Yeah, they do. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, before we wrap things up, I was just curious to know, what would you say is a good romantic movie or a good chick flick? No idea. <laughs> Does one even exist? This isn't my recommendation for this episode, but I would say that you should check out Atonement. It's set in World War II as well. It has an interesting dilemma. It has real stakes, I believe. It really captures what the characters are going through and is by far a better movie than The Notebook. I enjoyed Aladdin, the reboot. You did? Yes. You watched that? I didn't know you watched that. Who did you watch that with? I watched it alone. <laughs> it's true. But I, I really enjoyed it. You know, the reboot specifically because Jasmine is a little bit of a better character than she was the first time around. I want you to learn a whole new world so we can sing that as karaoke duets. Not Prince Ali. I feel like that that, more that's more of a solo song for you for karaoke. Oh, I was thinking more something for you to sing to me. Prince Ali, fabulous Heliababua. I don't think we can include that unless you pay for it. I think I didn't sing enough of it. Yeah, I think I think we're we're in the clear. Um, and also because you know there's a class difference, right? But they're both having their own struggles as well as trying to figure things out with each other. So I actually think. Uh, it's uh, pretty, pretty good. Yeah. So on to final judgment. Shannon, is the notebook fixable, fine just as it is, or damaged beyond repair? I think it's fixable. I like the two of them. I like them two kids. They got some chemistry. I, I don't know how you could fix it and keep it within two hours long. But, you know, that's for the uh, filmmakers to decide, yeah. I know, if you really think about it, all of our fixes would probably just really drag out the, the run time. Yeah, it'll be episodic, actually. Yeah, maybe it would be TV good as a mini-series. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do agree with you. I think it is fixable. Just to play the devil's advocate uh, of you describing this fantasy that this movie offers, I think it does a good job of providing that fantasy. So maybe it is fine just as it is if you're just trying to cater to that audience. But I really think that there was an opportunity to do so much more with that storyline and with those characters and those actors. And I do agree that I think they were both really good. Ryan Gosling, he looks so young in that movie. I think he's become a much better actor since that movie, actually, but he was still pretty good. So yeah, just flesh out the characters besides the main characters more. Give the plot more of a thing to do besides just this relationship. And I think it would actually improve the power and impact of that relationship and them ending up together in the end. And I might actually consider losing the framing device of it being 
an old man telling an old woman the story because it spoils the reveal and just maybe leave it as an epilogue in the end. Like the ending of Harry Potter. Everyone loved that epilogue. I don't even remember it. <laughs> you see them all as old people, basically. <laughs> oh, okay, sure. It was so that people didn't have um, PTSD of the series ending and feeling abandoned, not knowing what happened to their characters. And before we sign off, as always, we have recommendations for things we've been watching lately. Uh, Shannon, what's your recommendation? I have two recommendations. The first is um, there's two documentaries by The Minimalists on Netflix. And the most recent one was just released. It's called Less Is Now. And I recommend it for anyone who wants to learn a bit more about minimalism. Who are The Minimalists? They're two guys who took some Zen Buddhism and made their own blog with it. Oh, you make them sound so appealing. (laughs) It's two white guys who stole from Zen Buddhism. No, but what interests me about minimalism is for people who think it's just about your stuff and how much stuff you have or that. um, I actually like the, the way that Zen Buddhism flows into it. And it's actually about a mental state and the way we our relationship that we have with our desires and our wants. So I recommend that for anyone who's looking to learn a little bit more about that and i also recommend a reality tv show called rupaul's drag race which season 13 just started airing i'm watching it on crave and it looks pretty good so far i'm amazed it took you this long to recommend this is like i think your third or fourth episode (laughs) (laughs) you finally recommended rupaul finally i love it as a performer it's great to watch very fun and i always feel inspired afterwards And my recommendation for this episode is the Andy Samberg romance, another romance, romance comedy, Palm Springs. The best way to describe it is it's basically Groundhog's Day, except it has more than one person trapped in the infinite time loop. So it's set in a wedding. Andy Samberg is just uh, happens to be a guest at the wedding and he gets caught in this time loop for reasons unclear. He accidentally gets a woman who also went to the wedding in the time loop and you just see how a relationship would develop when, you know, you're forced to spend the eternity together which is just repeating the same day. And I think it did a good job of adding an extra element that Groundhog's Day didn't have. It's not a mind-blowing movie or anything like that, but it was fun kept me entertained and engaged. And a little bit of Zen philosophy flows into that movie too, because can you imagine living the same day over and over? That's I cannot. What they go through. Yeah. yeah. I think the the most interesting thing that we, we saw this movie together, and I think the most interesting thing that came up when we were just talking about it was, we kind of felt like that what would end up happening, if realistically speaking, is if you were a couple who were stuck together forever, you would probably end up hating each other and then going back to loving each other and then hating each other and then loving each other just for an eternity, which I think is an interesting thing that the movie does explore a little bit, mm-hmm. I would say. So I would recommend it. Maybe it would be a good date movie as well. So that's the end of the romantic edition of Fix This Flick. That's right. We recorded the whole thing by candlelight. And I'm your host, Ali, as always. And I'm Shannon, and Ali's prevented me from calling him with any pet names for the entire episode, but I will sign off by saying bye, boo! Bye! <laughs> <laughs> That's a good